You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. If you visit downtown Detroit during any time of the year, you're likely to make it down to the waterfront. And if you visit it now, you would be shocked at the transformation. What started as an industrial wasteland, largely abandoned when I was a kid, and rarely, if ever, visited by residents, is now a thriving tourist attraction. A lot of work had to go into rehabilitating the land, and the Detroit Riverfront Conservancy has big plans to continue restoring the land from the Belle Isle Bridge all the way down to the Ambassador Bridge. And I, I have to say, we're about two-thirds of the way there from, from my estimations uh, in terms of just changing the public access there, the way it feels, what people do. People relate to the waterfront here in a way now that I have never seen before in Detroit. But of course, none of that work is fast or easy to accomplish. And of course, it's not cheap. Here to talk about how much we've put into our waterfront, how much we plan to put into our waterfront, and what what direction we're headed is Mark Wallace, who is the executive director of the Detroit Riverfront Conservancy. Thank you for being here on Detroit Today, Mark. Thanks for having me. So uh, when I talk about what's changed along the riverfront, uh, the, the, the Conservancy started in 2003, correct? That's right. The Conservancy was founded in 2003, and, and the work actually started a little bit before that. There was a group of people who always saw the riverfront as an opportunity instead of you know, sort of the back door of the city. And uh, the 2003 effort was the result of a Blue Ribbon Committee that was inaugurated to really look at that and put an organizational structure around some efforts to move the riverfront forward and return it to the people of the city. Right. And, and the goal here is, I love this, is public access, right? It's, it's, it's about saying, this is our riverfront, and we should all be feel like we're welcome there. We should feel like there are things for us to do there. And that's a real shift in thinking from the way we, we dealt with the riverfront for not just years, but decades before. I, that's absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head. Every city has a great public space where everyone feels welcome. And for us, the Detroit Riverfront is really that place. Uh, And it's pretty amazing that it has evolved into that place through the efforts of the Detroit Riverfront Conservancy because not for 100 years, but for 300 years, the river was really the back door of the city. It was a place where you threw your trash. It was a place where your (laughs) worst industrial activities took place. Uh, Early on, it was a place where farming took place. But even then, it was viewed more like a freeway uh, than a a natural feature. And Riverfront Conservancy has really led the efforts to build it uh, and that was sort of the first 10 years, was making sure that it was a place uh, where it functioned properly, where it was safe, where it was secure, where the landscaping was taken care of. Yeah, you know, what we've seen today is what's special about it is that people show up, and it's moms, it's kids, it's Detroiters, it's people who have been here for one month, it's people who have been here for 100 years. Yeah. And it's really great to see everyone coming together in a place like We need more places like that in the city. Right. Uh, let's talk about the, the money that this has cost. I'm always surprised when I hear about the dollars that have gone into it. It's not that... It's not that it's an overwhelming number, but it is that that it's all come from from fundraising. I mean, this was not government for the most part uh, who, who did this. This was this was philanthropic and private investment in a public space, which is another really important. I think, dynamic here in the city. Yeah, it really is. The, the, the sense of the public realm, the sense of the public commons has really evolved. You, you hear you know, the Ford Foundation talking about that a lot these days. You hear Kresge talking about that a lot. But the idea that the city was not in a place at that point in time to really take the leadership role on this. You know, most cities, this would be a, a city park. 
You right. know, that, that's how it would be uh, run. That's how it would be funded. The Riverfront Conservancy has raised $120 million out of a $140 million goal for the East Riverfront. And that's really allowed us to put about $80 million into the transformation and then set up some funds to allow us, uh, you know, sort of ongoing operational stability. Uh, but it's really been amazing. The city did uh, a lot of a lot of efforts in the early stages to take down the cement silos and to rebuild the street grid and through right. there. And that's really set the table. If you remember, Atwater Street used to be a dirt road because sure. there were so many cement silos just Medusa cement it to death. right there exactly. along the riverfront. That was, that was there my entire childhood. Yeah, that's right. right. And it was just so beat up that nobody could keep it up. But if you look at it today, yeah, the city helps to set the table with the relocation of those and the assembly of some of the properties. But by and large, you know, Kresge came in with a $50 million grant. Uh, General Motors built the riverfront promenade in front of GM and then contributed that to us. So that was a huge contribution as well. Uh, and then we've had a lot of philanthropic uh, contributions, a lot of individual contributions as well. Anything from somebody you know, putting their name on a, on a brick, which right. is a $100 thing, all the way up to you know, that $50 million contribution from Kresge has been really transformative for us. Yeah. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. I am talking with Mark Wallace, who's the executive director of the Riverfront Conservancy. And we are talking about Detroit's riverfront, how much it has changed in the last 10 or 15 years, and how much it's going to change. It is now a public space that everybody seems to be taking advantage of. Of course, for years, for decades, it was an industrial space, dirty and inaccessible to the public. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, call us at 313-577-1019. How do you use the riverfront? How much of these new things are you taking advantage of? And what would you like to see along the riverfront? Are you are you visiting other cities and see them doing things along the riverfront that you think we ought to be doing here in Detroit? Call us again, 313-577-1019 to join the conversation. Tom in Detroit, welcome to Detroit Today. Tom, are you there? Tom? All right, we don't have time. <laughs> we'll, we'll go back to Tom. Uh, let's talk about development along the uh, riverfront. Um, uh, let's start at the Belle Isle Bridge. I know the goal ultimately is to have this run from Belle Isle all the way down to the Ambassador, but just let's tick off what is, yeah. what's there now that didn't used to be there in terms of this public space. Well, the geography of the Detroit Riverwalk is really exciting right now. We start with Gabriel Richard Park. So if you're coming in from the east side, uh, we've built a new parking lot out there, which just opened up this year, and a new pathway from the east. There are butterfly gardens down there. There's a little splash pad. There are restroom facilities. There's a labyrinth. There are ADA-accessible fishing piers. So if you're in a wheelchair, uh, you can come down there. There's a guy named John who's always down in his scooter, which is really exciting. He catches fish pretty much every day. Uh, so it, it's really exciting to see that, and that's just on the other side of the Belle Isle Bridge. Then the next Uni to the old armory. Next to the old armory, yeah. exactly. Then there's the Belle Isle Bridge and the Uniroyal site. And next to the Uniroyal site, we've taken Mount Elliott Park, which was also a city park. And that, that went into our portfolio several years ago. But just this year, we opened up a free water park. It's a, it's a schooner, uh, the Great Lakes schooner. It looks like sort of a capsized pirate ship, and it <laughs> shoots water out. And little kids can spray each other with water cannons. And that's really become a beloved space this year. It took a little while for the moms and kids to figure out that it was there. But now that 
they've realized it. We get several hundred people coming through at, at any moment out on that on, on that park, which is great. Yeah. Again, yeah. a lot of fishermen as well. And then the promenade continues all the way down to Rivard Plaza, which is where our carousel is, the Cullen family carousel. Yeah. Uh, that's where the boat trips happen. That's where our reading and rhythm program happens, Tai Chi, yoga. And all this stuff is free. So if you're in the city, uh, and you don't have anything to do today, check out DetroitRiverfront.org. If you're in the suburbs and you want to come down and see what Detroit has to offer, DetroitRiverfront.org. Right. We have so much programming. Yeah, 99% of it is entirely free, and it's just really a great way to bring people together. Yeah, and and now we've got this new West Riverfront concert venue, which uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, stuff about. I, I hear the Canadians <laughs> are not too happy about the noise. Well, it's funny. From... <laughs> what, what we've heard is the Canadians aren't happy about the noise from Shane Park, which is a different oh, is geography. That right? Yeah. Okay. So there's one one party which apparently sounded like it was a great party, but it lasted a little little while into the morning. But that was a Shane Park thing. We haven't gotten any complaints. From uh, from Canada on the west, um, we've we try to work very closely with our partners over there. There are some great residential neighbors in Riverfront Towers, um, but that park space it's twenty acres, which was closed off to the public for forty five years. Right. The Detroit Free Press was there. Uh, they had basically a three story windowless building on yeah. the river, which uh, is a, a printing plant. Yeah, exactly. Which which, which I always <laughs> think is a great example of how we used the riverfront. I mean, I can't think of any place else no. where you would say, well. You know, we've got all this all this land right on the water. Let's build this is a great idea. Uh, a printing plant here <laughs> that without windows. Exactly. Well, it sort of it, it makes the point that the river was treated more like a freeway than a waterway. I mean, for a long time, it, you know, that's a way to move stuff around. That's yeah. all it was. Yeah. Let's go to the phones. Pamela in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit today. Good morning. My question is about the private uh, versus public use of the West Riverfront. Uh, this summer, we've noticed that, well, this is the, primarily the first year that it was open, but we've noticed that there have been many private um, for-pay events on the West Riverfront, and not only was it you know closed for the whole month of June to the public, but it was also fenced off and blacked out you know, so that you couldn't even see the water. Is that going to be the primary use of the West Riverfront and, for and, private events? And Pamela, what, when you say West Riverfront, I, I guess I'm not sure exactly what, what, what space you're talking about. Are you talking about the concert venue or? Yeah. or? We're, I'm talking about the West Riverfront behind the main post office from okay. yeah. Rose yeah. Park. Yeah, that's Street. where the concert venue is. Yeah. Is yeah. that what that is now, a concert venue? Yeah. No, so that's, go ahead, that's, that's, go ahead, Mark. It's a great question. So our focus this year, and and probably for the next several years, is making sure that we welcome new people to that park. Um, it's been closed off for forty five years, and we've had five days of concerts in the park so far. So it's only been closed off actually five days out of this entire summer. There were some setup times where portions of the park were closed. Um, we've had some questions from our public and our neighbors, and we've made some modifications. So in Mopop. You'll notice that there's more signage on the entrances indicating that it was open. We uh, tweaked some of the storage facilities during the Mopop Festival, which is the most recent one. And we think that we can really make sure that it's a space where some concerts are happening while the public is still there. So it's also a park, in other oh, words. Uh, abso- so absolutely. When there's, not a, when there's not a concert there, Absolutely. Every, it's open. every day in June, that. you had fishermen down there, you had families, you had walkers and runners going down there. Even the morning of hoedown, you had fishermen who were occupying about a half of the park space, just like they normally do on a typical day. And then at noon, they invited them to move out so they could close it off. So it may have the perception of being closed, but I guarantee you that it's open 
open, and if anybody tries to keep you out, please please let us know. Yeah, Very right. easy you to get should, a hold of. Uh, Pamela, you should you should let someone know if if they're not allowing allowing you in there. Thank you very much for that call. Let's go to Thomas in Mount Clemens. Welcome to Detroit Today. Detroit Today, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, I just wanted to make a real quick point. I live out in Mount Clemens here, but I make it down to Riverwalk at least religiously once a week just to jog from Shane Park to Hart Plaza. There's just something about being by the water and all the interesting people and animals and stuff you see down there. It's one of the coolest spots in the world. You guys did a great job bringing that back. Uh, thank you for that call, yeah, thanks, Thomas. Uh, Thomas. Uh, Mark, that that's a really interesting point. I, I think that that Thomas raises, and again, it's it's this idea that people, even from outside the city, are starting to embrace the riverfront as a public space that we all sort of mix in together. I think that's a pretty profound change in the cultural dynamic here in in southeast michigan it is absolutely and and our focus i think a lot of times people are you know have questions about new spaces is the new space being built for people who are here now or is the new space being built for new folks to come down and from our perspective we've always wanted to embrace the residents i mean people who are two blocks away from the riverfront should feel the most comfortable coming to it. And we want to make sure that those connections to the neighborhoods are still really vital. So we managed to do Quintercut, which takes people up to Lafayette Park. Yeah. Uh, it takes people up to Eastern Market. Yeah. Um, we're looking at a couple other opportunities to really drive into the neighborhoods. Our vision's always been bridge to bridge, but if you think about that, in some ways that's boulevard to boulevard as well. Uh, that's right, and, and Grand Boulevard to uh, East Grand Boulevard East, to West, to West. Grand right, right. And that should be the connection. I mean, that was the unifying characteristic of the city, and that's how we were designed, was to get people circulated on that, uh, on that roadway. Uh, let me ask you about actual private development along the riverfront, obviously not in the riverfront conservancy space, but just behind it. I mean, we're starting to see some interest in that in that area, I think, just east of the Rensen, is it? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's really exciting for us. From our perspective, our organization's payback or, or the return on investment is not only the public space, but it's also economic development. We really believe that the work that we're doing provides an amenity that will derive jobs, population density, tax base, and, and new development in that district. Because as you know, and as everyone knows, there's a significant amount of vacant property in the Riverfront District. There was a casino vision, that went away. In 2007, there was some uh, flurry of activity of different developers who wanted to come in with new product. What we're seeing today is actual uh, shovels in the ground, which is really exciting because we haven't seen that before. Right. So um, Harbor Town is building 175 units right now today over by the old Coast Guard site. And it's really amazing to see that coming out of the ground. It's going to be amazing property. Harbor Town was situated sort of off of the river. This building is right on top of the Riverwalk, so it's as close to the riverfront as you can get. And then Richard Barron from McCormick Barron Salazar is doing Orleans Landing. That's 275 units, which flanks the Outdoor Adventure Center and also fronts onto the DeQuinter Cut. So it's townhouses, really beautiful architecture. We're very excited about that. I think that'll really catalyze the area. When you start to see how fast absorption takes place and how high the rents can go on some of those products, yeah. we're really going to start to see people come in, and that's when other developers can come in. It's always hardest to do that first project. Right, right. Um, and then the Outdoor Adventure Center itself is an example of new development. The state has uh, taken the old Globe Building with the Roxbury Group and David DeRita and all them, 
and converted it into one of the coolest kid spaces anywhere in the state. You can get into an airplane and turn the lights on. You can walk <laughs> under a waterfall. You can go through a cave. You can get on a kayak simulator. I mean, it, it's really amazing what they have to offer. A lot of taxidermy, eagles' nests, and they're going to teach kids what it's like to camp outside. They're going to teach kids how to start a fire and keep it safe and really open up for this, the students of Detroit the possibility of going to any state park uh, throughout Michigan and yeah. really appreciating the Really beauty. appreciating the, the, the sort of natural beauty that yeah, we have. Yeah, it's great for families. It's great for education. It's, yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah. Anthony, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello. Um, Alex, my thing is this. When he said that the park was only closed for five days, that's not entirely true because I work at this post office right here. In front of the park. Uh, along the, west, the time, west River Front, right? Okay, go ahead. Right, and from the time of the holdown up until that Jimmy Buffett concert, nobody used that park because they couldn't use it because they had all that equipment still set up and nobody was allowed in there. There wasn't anybody fishing, not even at the park. Okay, Anthony, uh, thank you thank you for that call. You want to answer that, Mark? Yeah, well, <laughs> well again, I, I live in Corktown. I, I ride my bike by there, and, and I guarantee you that people are coming in through the Rosa Parks entrance. So Anthony is a little bit further down. It is a large park. So the entrance he's talking about was shut down for a period of time, but the Rosa Parks entrance was still open. People could come all the way down to 6th and, and circulate throughout there. So it, it may just be sort of a, a perspective. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you for that call, Anthony. Uh, Neil in Rochester Hills. Welcome Hi. to Detroit Today. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. Uh, just a real quick question. I heard that Mark was the one that was part of the uh, managing for the DeQuinder Cut. Uh-huh. And when it was first opened, uh, they exposed all of that wonderful graffiti art that was on the uh, overpasses and you know underneath the overpasses. But a, a little bit ago, they painted over a lot of it. And basically what I'm wondering is, if they're going to extend the DeQuinder cut and add a light rail in there, are they going to continue to paint over the graffiti art murals that are there, or are they going to leave them there for posterity's sake? All right. Thank yeah. you much for that call, Neil. Let's talk about art in, in, in that space. Yeah. The graffiti was there for years uh, before. I think even when the, when the trains were still running through there, you had that graffiti. You guys have done some, some different things with that. Yeah, we have. It's a great question because public art is really important. I, I do a lot of music myself, so I really I spent some time <laughs> with the folks who are doing some of that, that street art and some of that work, so I appreciate the question. There's still places on the DeQuinder Cut where you can see street art that's been there for decades. Um, and some of those bridge abutments did get cut back and some of those did get fixed up. There were areas where we had to fix the concrete because we didn't want those abutments falling down. And places, when you go north in the Eastern Market, where the bridges have been completely replaced, so obviously it's new concrete. Um, as you go through the northern portion, which I toured last week, uh, you see some really nice examples of street art. Then you see some sort of more offensive, less family-friendly uh, <laughs> right. things that we certainly don't want kids <laughs> to sort of Not all graffiti is art. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You recognize it when you see it, right? Right. Um, so we're very committed to providing space for artists to, to express themselves, and we've done that on the cut. There are some places where we have curated uh, really great local talent and some really great national talent to come in and do large-scale murals. And there are some places where it's still pretty easy to get down there, and folks have done some, uh, you know, Call it tag and call it what you will. Yeah. Um, we, we've only had one place where uh, a street artist actually came and did something to a 
a commissioned mural. And when I say commission, I mean we pay for the paint. I mean that's all we can afford to do, and somebody does all the work for us. Um, so but, somebody came in and, and painted yes, over someone else's work. Yeah, someone mm-hmm. from the suburbs came in and, and, uh, and hit somebody else's right. work. But moving forward into Eastern Market, we're really excited about the partnership with Eastern Market, really excited about the partnership with Greening of Detroit. Eastern Market, I think, has some of the best examples of public art anywhere in the city. It, and it really does. Potentially in the state. So. Yeah. Dan well, and integrating that that public art in with commission works, that's got to be, I mean, it's is, it is pretty delicate balance. It is a delicate there, balance. Right? Yeah, it is. You, uh, get a lot of, you get a lot of emotion. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, and I'll say this. A lot of the buildings in Eastern Market uh, that come down into the Quindercut are owned by somebody else besides us. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle how it. How they manage it, I see. It's not just our entity, which you know, has control over the purview and the uh, the abutments of the bridges, but some of those are private property owners. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that question as well. Right. Let's go to Tom now in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit Today, Tom. Yeah, good morning to both of you. You know what? This is one change that the winds of time has brought to the city <laughs> that's been a definite plus for, for Detroit. And contrary to what the conspiracy theorists think, I and my wife and grandkids, we go down to the riverfront, we go downtown, okay, and, you know, we sit there most sometimes, and me and my wife just go, we just sit there and watch the river roll along and enjoy the breeze. And, I mean, you know, that kind of stuff right there. And what I, what I don't want to see, I don't want to see too many concession stands down there. The one that's there right now, I mean, okay, I, I realize and understand as long as it's going to be, you're going to have to have maybe, uh, you know, a couple more. But, you know, I like what's there, and especially, I'm a, I'm, I'm a big kid, okay? The, the, the water spout right there, I, I like to run through there. But, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I go back to the days of when the dinosaurs walked down there. My, my girlfriend and my wife now, we used to take a blanket, and we'd go down there, and we would get, um, you know, um, <laughs> corned beef sandwiches, and we'd go down and watch the boats run, a, you know, go up and down the river. But, I mean, it is so nice. And it's so different, isn't it, Tom? I mean, it's just so transformed. I mean, this is definitely a plus for the city. And, I mean, you know, you all just keep on doing what you're doing. Okay, thank you for that call, Tom. Uh, You know, of course, everything in Detroit is is freighted with our history and the strains of race and economics and things like that. I I feel like that does come up from time to time with the riverfront. But I also feel like we got to give ourselves some credit. We've been able to avoid a large part of that and and really sort of focus on the idea that it is for everyone and and we've got to figure out a way to make that work for a really disparate uh, set of people in this region. Well, that's right. And it's such, you know, the natural beauty of it and the peace that comes just by being on the water and sort of the magic that happens. Gil Penaloso says water is magic. I mean, that idea that it does something to kids. It does something to interactions. I, I think also the Detroit Riverfront Conservancy has a legacy that comes out of our commitment to community engagement. You know, Ten years ago, community engagement were not two words that were put together that frequently. To right. get Today, everyone talks about engaging the community. We did over 100 community meetings before we put a shovel in the ground. Yeah. And that legacy really explained to people that we are serious about listening to input. We're serious about incorporating that input. Yeah. And some of that was as simple as, hey, we want pretty flowers. And yeah, we can right. provide well, pretty we'll plant, flowers. We can plant those. And right? some of them were, were really interesting. Yeah, we had a, a, a gentleman who came to us and said, hey, yeah, when I'm sitting watching the river, I don't want to, he was in a wheelchair. I don't want to have to face the person I'm sitting with. I like to be side by side. 
So every one of our benches has a little concrete pad next to it. And you can roll a wheelchair next to it. And if your friend's looking at the freighter, you can look at the freighter. Right. You can have that sort of interaction. So the community really informed us. And, and I think that the Riverfront Conservancy is one of the first organizations in the city to take that community input and really have it uh, drive everything that we've done. Yeah. All right. We're, we're almost out of time. But before I let you go, you when you sat down here in the studio, you said something that caught my attention. You said the last time you were here, you were playing bluegrass. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> what is, what's that about? Uh, it's, a, it's a band I've been in for almost nine years, yeah. Black Jake and the Carnies, and we played on the Craig Folly show. So, uh-huh. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, we are going to have to have you back for <laughs> music instead of talking about the Riverfront. Uh, that'll be fun. <laughs> All right. Mark Wallace, executive director of the Riverfront Conservancy. Thanks for being here on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. That's going to do it for us today. I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will too. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET Detroit, Wayne State's public radio station. We'll see you tomorrow.